In John's Gospel, we find that Jesus makes this statement 
I am something. He, he makes that several different times. He, he says something uh, very bold, something that we can learn from, something that is wonderful about himself, something about his nature. The first time that we come across a phrase like that comes in John chapter 6, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Let's take a look at John 6 this morning, and let's look at it by looking at three questions that are brought out from the text. The first question, what must we do to do the works God requires? Now, whenever we look at John chapter 6, beginning in verse 26 and going down through verse 29, we start to find out a little bit about this information here. And I want you to think about this. You know, the question once again is, what must we do to do the works God requires? If you had to answer what God requires of us, what would you say? You know, what, what would be the answer that you would give? Well, let's take a look together at the answer that Jesus gives. Verses 26 through 29. This is right after Jesus has fed the 5,000 earlier in the chapter, and then also he's walked on water. So he's done several things already up to this point, and he starts to teach the crowds. This is what they say. Verse 26, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So here in this passage, we see this, this statement is asked by the crowds in verse 28. What must we do to do the work God requires? Well, when you look at this and whenever you think about, you know, what's going on here, we find out about this. They want to know about this work that God requires. They want to find out what God wants. It is, you know, by itself at least, it is a pretty good question. You know, we need to be considering what does God want of us? You know, what does he desire of us? Well, this comes within the context of these people that have seen these signs. But then Jesus tells them that the reason why they're kind of following him is because they've just had their fill. You know, they've had this great meal, but they're not really following him because they saw these signs. They're not following him for really the, the good reasons. And Jesus uses this opportunity to try to get their attention and to recognize they don't need to be so concerned about physical food. Yes, you need physical food, but there's something so much more important than just the physical food that you eat on a daily basis. There's this spiritual food, and that's how Jesus is trying to get their attention to recognize there's something beyond what they're focusing on. And he speaks about it as, in verse 27, this food that endures to eternal life. It's kind of weird. We find out where it comes from. It comes from the Son of Man. So, you know, we know Jesus is the one that gives this food. But what is that food that endures for eternal life? Well, following in John's gospel, in John chapter 4, in verse 34, Jesus himself talking about food. Whenever his disciples were asking if he wanted some food and he said, you know, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not hungry. I don't want any food. And they were wondering because he hadn't eaten, so they wanted to know, did somebody give him some food or what's going on here? And he responds in 434, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So that's what Jesus considered the thing that was going to sustain him. It wasn't this bread that he might eat on this, this earth, but what was going to sustain him is doing the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
Shouldn't that be what our food is, what sustains us, what drives us today is doing the will of God? Well, these people kind of want to know, okay, so what does God require? What type of works does God require? And I, I don't want us to get too caught up in this because, you know, sometimes as we look at this, we, we might think, okay, so, so we've got to do these things. We've got to do these works in order to be saved. But the answer that Jesus gives, I love because in verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. And, you know, sometimes people, people, they look at this and they think, oh, well, you know, us believing on the one hand is different than us working and following God. But right here, Jesus brings the two together and he actually says that believing is work. In fact, it's, it's necessary work. It's the work that God requires. And I think that whenever you find somebody who thinks that belief is not a work, what you'll find is, is someone who perhaps doesn't believe fully. You know, think about that, because whenever we have this full faith, this type of belief that God is wanting, it does take work. It takes effort from us in our everyday lives, with even sometimes, you know, this, this, uh, this struggle that we might have even within ourselves, because we oftentimes desire to do things that go against what God wants to do, or sometimes we just don't have the desire to actually do the things that we know that we should be doing. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's a great work. It's one that we all must encourage one another to do. I said there's gonna be three questions. So that's that first one. What is the work that God requires? Well, it's to believe in the one that he has sent. But there's more. The next question. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Okay. Before, you know, just keep in mind, once again, I've kind of brought up the context several times, but I think it's very important. They're asking this question, what sign is Jesus going to give them? Well, right before this, he's already walked on water and he's already fed 5,000. How many signs do you actually need in order to believe in Jesus? John chapter 6, verses 30 through 40. Uh, we're going to find out some interesting things about this crowd here. Verses 30 through 34 first. So they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to all. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. You know, as you look at these verses, it really seems like this crowd has this, this deep desire to follow everything that God desired. I mean, they're asking, okay, well, what works does God require of us? And then whenever they find out about this bread of heaven, they're like, Jesus, give us this bread. Always give us this bread. Okay, let's go back to this question, though, because I think that what we see from this crowd it is not always what we might, you know, kind of think about that because, you know, it really looks like they're very genuine. Keep looking, though, because I think that what you see is some doubting among this crowd, some serious doubt among this crowd. That's why Jesus tells them, look, you want to do the works that God requires? Believe. Okay, so now they're wanting to know about this sign. What, what, I, uh, what I find amazing about this is so many times, you know, we, we find out about these signs and we almost kind of think about them like magic tricks, okay? The signs that God does, they're not magic tricks. 
what God does whenever he does miracles, whenever he does signs, they're not intended to entertain us. They're not intended to kind of just keep our attention and keep us interested in what God is doing. What they are designed to do is to allow us to recognize there is a being that is so much greater than us and he can do things that we ourselves cannot do. That's what God says every time that he does a miracle. He does what we ourselves cannot do. God is bigger than us. He's mightier than us. He is all powerful. So the signs of God, the miracles of God, they're not intended just to, to be these, these little things that kind of show us and can maybe help us believe. They're not intended to entertain. One thing that we find out about God is he doesn't need to prove himself to us. He doesn't need to prove himself to you. He doesn't need to prove himself to me. But yet he oftentimes does. He proves himself to us time and time and time again. That's what our Bible is full of stories about. But let's keep reading because there's a little bit more of this conversation. They ask the question or they, they make the statement. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Well, what is this bread? Verses 35 through 40 now. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of all those he has given me but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. We find out some important things here in these verses. Here we get this statement where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus is our bread. So they were saying, you know, sir, give us this bread. You know, always give us this bread. And Jesus says that he is the bread. He is our life. He is what gives us this life. But you know, what did Jesus, what all did he mean whenever he said that he is this, this bread of life? Well, when you look at a few of these verses, you find out more about the task that Jesus had. When you look at verse 38, he talks about how he came down from heaven, not just to do his own will, or rather not to do his will, but to do the will of the Father, to, to do the will of the one who sent him. That's what Jesus came here to do. What does that will look like? What is that will? Verse 40 tells us what the Father's will is. That the Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last days. This is like the second time that he says last days. See, he says last days that he's going to raise us up in the last days in verse 39. And he says that in verse 40. That's part of the gospel message. That's part of the belief. That's part of the hope that we can have because of this belief that we will be able to be raised up from the dead in the last days, not because of what we have done, but because of all of what God has done through the Father. He was following the Father's will, and the Father's will is everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Does that describe you? Because if it doesn't describe you today, it can, and it should. It needs to describe all of us because God really wants all of us to be in that group. He wants everyone to look on about the Son. To look to the Son. And he wants everyone to believe in the Son. And he wants everyone to receive this eternal life. Whenever we do that, we will be raised up on that last day. 
It will be a great family reunion that we can all participate in. Yet as you look here, you find out he keeps talking about this, this group and they, they fail to believe in him. They just don't believe. And some people, they just do not want to understand. And, and sadly, I think that that's what we see about this group. They seem like they're asking some of the some of the right questions, maybe even some good questions. But when it comes down to it, they're not willing, at least not all of them, are willing to have this faith in God. Obviously, some of them do. But a lot of them, they let their doubts creep in too much. And they just don't want to understand. Let's look at this next question here. The third question that shows up in the text is, how can he now say, I came down from heaven? Well, think about that question before we reread it within its context. Think about that question. How can Jesus say that he came down from heaven? They want an answer, but are they willing to really listen to what the answer truly is? Let's see. Verses 41 and 42. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? You look at this crowd and you notice something about them. You notice this word here that shows up in verse 41. We find out that the people grumbled. Now, there's several things in this chapter that kind of point back to, to Moses. You know, it's already been mentioned uh, about how Moses was there when it, whenever the manna came down from heaven and they ate that bread from heaven. And Jesus is kind of talking about that and he's kind of relating to that. And do you remember also that back in the days of Moses, whenever he was leading Israel out of Egypt, you remember how many times the people grumbled? They complained because they didn't have water. They didn't have food. Not realizing that God is taking care of all of their needs. He, he always took care of all of their needs. But that group, the group of Israel coming out of Egypt, they grumbled many times. What we see here in this group right here that's following Jesus they're grumbling as well. History is in some ways repeating itself. So how is Jesus going to respond? Let's look at the next verses. Verses 43 through 51 now. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. When you look at these verses, we find out even more about what that statement means when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He makes all of these statements here, talking about all the way back in verse 45. He speaks about how the prophets say that they will all be taught of God. What does that look like whenever people are being taught of God? Well, whenever people are being taught uh, by God, and if God is going to be our teacher, then we will come to Jesus. You look at verse 45. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. That, that is, we come to Jesus. That's a very bold statement. You know, I'm sure that you've heard just as much as what I have 
people who were asking, well, you know, what about those who have never heard of the name of Jesus? Well, actually, what this verse tells us is that that whenever we have God the Father being our teacher, then we will come to Jesus. Now, I can't explain to you exactly how that's going to work out, but I can explain to you that from, from the examples in the Bible, that we serve an awesome God. We serve an amazing God who is able to, to show anyone on the face of the earth his son, Jesus Christ, and to be able to reveal that truth to him, or, or to them, to all of them, actually, every single one of them. So everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. Yes, it's bold, but it's there, and it's true. We also find from, from verse 50 that Jesus makes the statement that he's this, this living bread. He is this bread of heaven. I'm sorry, it's verse 51. Yeah, he says that I am the living bread that came down from heaven. This living bread was given to the world. This living bread was given to us as a sacrifice. We know that because Jesus himself gave his life as a sacrifice for us. That That is, even within John's gospel, shown as what it means uh, from John 3.16, of how much the Father loves us that he gave his one and only son so that we can have life. God is, is all about us being able to have life. And Jesus himself gives himself for us. It says here that this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You know, what's kind of interesting to me and might get a little bit lost in our in our translations, you know, we might instantly go about um, how this is the same type of language that we read about when Jesus talks about communion. Well, it's actually a little different because whenever he talks about communion, he talks about the bread being his body. But here it actually says the bread is my flesh. Well, why would John use a different term here? Well, keep in mind about how John uh, wrote all the way back in chapter one of his gospel. In John 1, verse 14, he'd already described from verse one that the word was God. But then in verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, all of this is related together. Yes, this bread is my flesh, just like what Jesus says. But this flesh, the word became flesh. and He made his dwelling among us. He did all this to give himself for us so that we can have this life because we uh, are a part of this world. We've come out of this world and he has given us all things that we can hold on to. Jesus Christ is this bread of life that gives us life, this bread that has come out of heaven. We know that this, this right here, you know, this whole question about how can Jesus say that he came out of heaven? Well, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. That word from John 1, 1 is God. So God became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. Now, I said at the beginning of this sermon that we are gonna look at, at three questions. I actually have what I'm going to say, one final bonus question that shows up in this text. And it we haven't gotten to it just yet. It's a few verses later, but it's still in this chapter. In John chapter 6, verses 68 and 69, Peter makes this statement, Lord, to whom shall we go? Now, the reason why he says that is because people find out that this is a difficult statement that Jesus is saying. He's talking about how he's this bread that's come out of heaven, and then, then we have to, to take of this flesh. And in order to be able to have life. And he's just saying some things that people might be, get a little confused about. And they start walking away from him. 
these multitudes, these thousands of people who are following him, they start just walking away. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, do you want to leave too? And this was Peter's response. Lord, to whom shall we go? But let's look at his exact response because it's even better than just this. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I mean, isn't this a wonderful statement of faith that, that, that Jesus is able to hear from the lips of Peter right now? Because this has got to be a moment in Jesus's ministry when it's discouraging because he had thousands of people who were joining him. But then whenever it gets a little difficult, whenever the teachings are a little tough to understand, they just start walking away. But then Jesus is able to hear at least some of his followers still say, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Can you say the same thing that Simon Peter said? Do you have this type of faith, this type of hope, this type of belief in God? Do you believe and know that God's word brings eternal life? If you know that, are you living that life right here, right now? Because that's what we are called to do. That's what we as Christians can do. We can start living our eternal life right here and right now. Let's do it and let's share it with other people. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized and wash my sins away. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized and then I can be saved. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized. With Jesus I'll be raised. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized. Giving God, Giving God the praise, and I'll be born again. Born of the water and the Spirit, and I'll be born again. Born in the blood of the Lamb, and I'll be born And you'll be born again. Wash 
be born again, yes, born again, obeying Christ alone.